Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, David Bush on keeping ourselves fit enough to follow after Jesus and fulfill His calling in our lives. And unfortunately among pastors and leaders in church, as well as congregations at large, uh, physical health is not talked about and uh, that is to um, our detriment because we need to talk about this because there, it, it, we don't live in silos. Uh, this, our physical lives impact our spiritual lives, impact our ability to love God and serve others. Patrick Herman talks with David Bush next. As Christians age, typically their wisdom in Christianity and God's Word increases, but their physical ability to share that Word decreases. Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, I'm joined by David Bush. You may know him as a singer-songwriter, but he's also a physical fitness advocate and author, as well as a worship pastor, husband, and father of four. David Bush, welcome to His People. It's great to be here with you, Patrick, and to join uh, the Pilgrim family again. Now, you have two books out on this subject, and it's really talking about body stewardship. One's called Fit for the King, and the other is The Body Gospel. Tell us just from the get-go, why did you write these books? Several reasons. Uh, A couple of the biggest are I ended up in a relationship uh, leading a guy to the Lord who was the owner of the gym uh, that I was at. And as he began to grow in his uh, walk with Christ, and I was discipling him, uh, obviously fitness had been uh, perhaps um, too big of an emphasis in his life. And and, uh, in the book, Fit for the King, you'll read his testimony and see that that's the case. But he started asking questions in these uh, discipleship sessions as he entered into the culture of the church for the first time in a while, uh, David, why is everybody in the church so unhealthy? (laughs) Does nobody care about their health in the church? I mean, I know I've kind of gone overboard on this for a lot of my life, and we're working through the reasons why that was the case, but doesn't this book, the Bible, say something about uh, how you should be healthy? And that got me to thinking, well, yes, it certainly does. And I could probably pull some of the low-hanging fruit that most followers of Christ would be able to articulate a little bit of a, a thoughts about how body stewardship was important. But it really wasn't a deep understanding of that. I just seemed to, that seemed to be right. So that kind of launched me into a much more uh, in-depth look at what does the Bible actually say? And how does the gospel actually intersect this area of our life? And I found that the Bible has an awful lot to say about how we steward our bodies. That's one reason is this this new convert who was asking questions out of the fitness industry um, got me to looking deeper. The second is my own father's testimony as a pastor for many years. Uh, But as he got around uh, 59 and experienced some uh, particular hardships in the church that he had founded, the accumulated physiological problems of decades of neglect kind of came home to roost. And uh, at a time in his life where he really should have been perhaps the most fruitful 
in the later end of his ministry years when he had the most experience and the most freedom and the most accumulated knowledge and the most connections. Uh, the same for all of us. This yeah. is a time where the pedal can go to the metal for, for us in business or in, in ministry or anywhere. The wheels came off and never really uh, did any full-time ministry after 59 or 60. That seemed like a tragedy to me and something that was also preventable if he had stewarded his physiology differently, uh, that he could have had much more fruitful years uh, in ministry, as well as his relationship with his wife, his relationship with his four children. We and our, his grandchildren, our children, I I suppose, suffered to some degree, relationally suffered because of his, um, the issues that he was dealing with that that at its root were a lot of them physiological. So I didn't want to see that perpetuated. And unfortunately, among pastors and leaders in church, as well as congregations at large, uh, physical health is not talked about. And uh, that is to um, our detriment because we need to talk about this because there, it, it, we don't live in silos. Uh, this, our physical lives impact our spiritual lives, impact our ability to love God and serve others. Well, like you're saying, we restrict what we are able to do. Now, we're just talking generally because we know, I'm sure you know as well, the the very fit people that have had heart attacks or strokes and Mm -hmm. all the rest. So that happens as well. But you're saying, generally speaking, yeah, Mm -hmm. and you write down in your book, you know, a grandmother who can join her grandchildren in adventures, a father who's actively engaged with his children's lives, or an empty nest couple with the physical and financial ability to invest in others, or a couple that spends all their time and resources on doctor's appointments and prescriptions. You're given the and or if type of scenarios, but it's really across the the gamut. And why would we want to be restricted to do what God has called us to do in our later years? And I think that's your main point, isn't it, for for people, the main message? Yeah, the definition of what we say it means to be fit for the king, which is the, the ministry and the title of the book, Uh, is being fit for the king means being physically available to love God completely, let him love others through you and accomplish all he desires with you for his glory. Now, in that uh, description, there's nothing about narcissism. There's nothing about self-actualization. There's nothing about, you know, meeting and exceeding your goals. It's all about availability to love God and serve other people and to glorify him as the end result. And that has to be the motive for it because our culture is going to steer us as it does in so many other areas in the wrong direction and either push us toward obsession and narcissism, or it is going to push us toward neglect and unavailability, all the while telling us that we're perfect just the way we are in our neglect and unavailability. And so that's your point, too, is you say there are extremes here, but really right down the middle is where we really need to be. I'm looking at you. Our listeners can't see you, but you're not Herculean. You're fit. And I think that's what you're saying is, you know, get your body in shape. You don't need to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. You just need to make sure that you can do the things God's called you to do. Yeah, it doesn't take an a Iron Man to be able to get on the floor with your grandkids and play. Yeah. 
um, uh, or to be able to co uh, consistently not be sick, you know, all the time, or to visibly not give a testimony of neglect to say, essentially, my body belongs to me, I'm in charge, I'll do what I want to with my body, and um, if the consequences are that I become unavailable and unable to help people in need, unable to go on a mission trip, unable, if, if my uh, costs of keeping me alive and all the procedures and drugs that I need to take to do that end up sapping my stewardship to uh, the church in ways God might want me to steward my finances differently. That's not what we should be doing uh, as followers of Christ. Uh, we should be stewarding all of life, not just our pocketbooks, but our, the greatest trust he's given to all of us, which is our physical capacity. Now, I think what you're saying is, I'm reading into this, but for you, missionary work is relational work as well. You were talking about the fitness trainer that you mentored, and I, and that's really gets to the, the heart of the matter, doesn't it? If you're not physically able to go out and make these relationships, make these adventures, that's never going to happen. Yes, there are, uh, if you're speaking specifically about like evangelism, Yep. and discipleship kind of things. There is a certain boldness with evangelism that is necessary. There's a sense that I can go up and approach somebody with confidence in who I am and who I am in Christ to say, um, I would like to engage you and talk about how uh, walking with Jesus fundamentally transforms everything in your life for the better. And in my coaching with people, uh, as I do that as a discipleship ministry, coaching people in this area of body stewardship, I find out regularly that people are kind of pulling their punches in regard to their willingness to share, their confidence to share, because essentially they're walking into things uh, with a very low self-image. And they also oftentimes recognize I'm not what I should be and I know it. And who am I to go to this person and tell them, that Jesus is going to solve your addictions. Jesus is going to heal your, you know, your life. He's going to set you on a whole new transformational trajectory. And, and yet I know that right off the bat, before I even open my mouth, visibly, I do not exemplify that at all. And that causes far too many people to be silent. And that isn't to say that we need to, you know, like you said, be the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, that sends another message. But we should, in our physiology, feel confident enough about who we are and that we've done the best with what he's given us, whatever that is, yeah. whatever body type he's given us, we've made the best of it that we can. And that should give us the confidence, whatever that is, to be able to speak about transformational power of Christ uh, in, our, in our life. And in the book, you talk about being made in God's likeness. And mm -hmm. I had a, I was kind of musing about this, but, you know, had Jesus not uh, been crucified at 33, had he lived to be 70, would he have been fit? Uh, I spend a lot of time, um, both in uh, talks that I give as well as in, in the books, talking about how does Jesus inform our, our body care. And it's clear that though he lived in a very different kind of a culture that would have uh, provided far less 
indulgent uh, things to eat and drink that right. are a part of core of our problem today. Uh, he and also had to manually move and exercise. It's just part of existing then. Uh, he also had all kinds of opportunities to overindulge, whether it be ingratiating himself with the wealthy that put out a nice spread that he and the disciples can go regularly feast on. He could have had people come to him while he sat, you know, and had people come to the synagogue to listen to him. And he could have uh, made, you know, bread and, and the best bread, the best wine, the best fish out of nothing of <laughs> his miraculous power. So if he wanted to live large, he certainly could have done it. But then he chose to not do that. And actually, the fact is, is he knew what the end was. And he knew that there was a terrible crucible, a physiological crucible, as well as a spiritual crucible at the end of his life, and that he needed to be prepared to endure to that to the very end when he could say, it is finished. And he didn't do that while he was getting flogged or on the Via Della Rosa. He did it after writhing on a cross for hours, perhaps. Somebody who is not looking at the end and saying, I need to be ready to do whatever God might ask of me, even if it's a physiological thing, he had that clearly in mind. And uh, I don't think any of us can picture, you know, the portly Jesus carrying his cross up the thing and getting nailed and expiring, you know. <laughs> Yeah, right. as they were driving the nails in. And I don't mean to suggest that would have ever happened. That wasn't going to happen. Jesus was going to accomplish all he was. But he had a, a choice in that too. And he cooperated perfectly with God's plan for his life, including how he stewarded his physical body. And that's your point. We need to as well. How do you motivate your people? You're speaking at different fitness conferences around the country. What is the main thing that you say to kind of light that fire under us? One of the main things is we have to have a why that is bigger than the world offers. The world offers us essentially, uh, if it feels good, do it uh, in, in the gastronomical end <laughs> sense of things is just live your, live your best life. And it really doesn't matter because God loves you uh, as you are and you're perfect just the way you are. Or uh, our, uh, our culture says you've got to be doing selfies and getting on social media and showing people how ripped you are and how brutal, you know, fill up your trophy case with all these things. And we, we uh, instead need to have a gospel informed motivation, an intrinsic motivation that lets the gospel inform our rationale for why we do what we do. We're not going to let extrinsic things like what the world say do it. Uh, and to some degree, we will let common grace wisdom things like, I want to be able to play with my grandkids. I want to be able to garden uh, when I get older and retire. When I retire, I want to be alive long enough to travel and do something. Uh, these are common grace. I don't want to die. These are common grace wisdom things that God has given us, and you don't have to be a Christian to access those rationales for fitness. But we need a nice blend of those common grace wisdom as well as intrinsic values that are gospel-centered that say, I want to do this because it helps me love God more and better. It helps me have a better prayer life, a better devotional life, and it helps me be more committed to following him. And it helps me love other people better. Because in my experience, we don't usually love our neighbor well from a barca lounger. Right. Uh, we need to get up off the couch, stop Netflix and chilling, and go across the street 
because we're able and have the capacity and aren't so worn out after the day to go and engage people at their point of need. And more often than not, that point of need involves our physical engagement. They need help moving. They need help with their lawn to mow it because somebody's sick. They need help with meals. They need help with something that's going to mean you're going to have to move because you don't do it from your lazy boy. And uh, so those intrinsic and common grace wisdom motivations for changing the way we uh, treat our, our bodies um, is, is one of the biggest things I try to drive across to people because we aren't supposed to be motivated by the things the world's motivated for, but to do it for the sake of the kingdom of God. And I think like you were saying at the beginning of this conversation, not to become narcissistic with all of that as well, just to no. do it for, that's the end, for the end uh, product is to make sure you're fit. Uh, you know, there isn't a, a scale at the beam of seat judgment. Uh, you know, he doesn't look for a bot, you know, have a pair of calipers and is going to find out what body fat, you know, percentage <laughs> you were. Uh, but your works are going to be tested. And those are active things. Uh, he, what did you do with your resources, your money, your, um, your intellect, your, your, capa- your physical capacity? Were you just luxuriating yourself, taking it easy and, and uh, not expending, not reaching the potential you could have? Or were you leveraging and doing what you could uh, to keep yourself physically fit through what diet you ate and how much you moved to be able to um, accomplish all that God has for you and not put your thumb on the scale and say, well, you know, I know I'm heaven bound. So if I die early, all the better. I get God's goal for my life, which is heaven. Well, wrong. Heaven is a wonderful benefit. It's not God's goal for your life. Transformation is God's goal for your life. And transformation to the likeness of Christ includes your physiology. And um, so let's be about transformation uh, and be able to offer him uh, everything, be able at, at in, in the, the judgment day, be able to say, uh, I, I left it all there. I gave everything I had to you, mind, body, spirit. We're his ambassadors. That's right. Yeah. And, well, and something about being in balance and having self-control and just living a life that looks balanced. Again, I'm not talking about, you know, the Victoria's Secret uh, billboard or, or, you know, Weeder, uh, Gold's Gym, you know, I'm talking about a life in balance uh, gives us confidence as an ambassador uh, to say in an out of control culture that's going every which way, uh, Jesus provides a life that is centered and balanced, uh, is disciplined, a, a root of disciple, you know, coming from disciple, discipline, mm-hmm. a life that is disciplined. And um, I believe that that has kind of been lost on the church in this area, for sure, as um, a statistics say, what, what's available, statistics say that the church broadly is 10% more obese and unfit than an obese and unfit culture at large. And when you think about all the uh, excesses of our culture and the things that could be perceived as being a negative thing, mm-hmm. what would we say? Well, the church is 10% worse than the world in its, you know, downloads of porn, in its, um, you know, theft, in its uh, wife beating, in its, uh, what you, you name the vice or the problem that we, <laughs> in its drug abuse, uh, we would say 10% worse than the world. How could this be? You know, that, that's totally unacceptable. 
Well, here's an area of life that is quite consequential. You may just say it's aesthetics or superficial, but it isn't just that. It's our availability and our capacity to do what we've been asked to do as the church and our witness of a life in balance. Uh, this is not where it should be, and we're 10% worse than a culture that is not doing well in this area. And it's actually, in an, in an age of COVID, if you think about it, made us more afraid than everybody else too because who was the most susceptible to becoming seriously ill with this virus? Well, the obese and those with chronic diseases. Well, I, I would just say uh, that being fearful and talking about shutting things down for uh, as long as we possibly can because we're living in fear and we've got a target on our back because we're part of the cohort <laughs> that has the most to fear from this is not a good place for the church to be. Uh, so even in a very practical, modern-day context, wouldn't it be great to be 10%, 20% healthier than the culture and to be able to say, I don't have to hunker down in fear over that something's going to hospitalize me or take my life because I don't have chronic diseases at a rate that is higher than the world? That seems to have some wisdom to it, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, and let's get to scriptures because, you know, you think, and you were saying just kind of on, on the surface, you think of like, you know, we are soldiers for Christ. Ephesians talks about that. The Apostle Paul reminds us to run the race that's set before us. You can't do that if you're not physically fit. But what is the main scripture verse that you hold on to to say, look, you need to get fit and here's why? Well, Romans uh, 12, 1 begins talking about this is our service of worship. Uh, to have our, to steward our bodies and to keep them holy. This is an act of worship to God, and that's what we're supposed to be about as followers uh, of Christ. Uh, so that is one of the you know foundational uh, uh, texts that we talk about how this is physical discipline is a form of worship. Uh, not the way the world would look at it because of the results of aesthetically, but uh, keeping your body ready, to be engaged in the spiritual disciplines as well as to serve others um, is an act of worship, says the Apostle Paul. And he, as you've alluded to, has many metaphors about denying yourself, uh, even flogging yourself so that you're not uh, disqualified, um, uh, running the race to win. You know, some of these things get put on T-shirts and get misused uh, to say that you know, uh, this is the most important thing in life and it's going to help us win the football game or whatever, which is kind of nonsense. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me kind of, you know, notions. He was talking about more than winning football games. Uh, I'm confident of that. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, Paul does uh, repeatedly in an age which was far more fit than we are today, continually refer referencing having discipline in your life and using uh, metaphors and analogies to being fit with spiritual and physical fitness. So this shouldn't be too strange to us to actually make that connection since he does. Well, Dave, we are running out of time. I wanted to ch chat a little bit about your, I would call it a companion book called The Gospel, The Body Gospel, which I think mm -hmm. is really part of the way that you help motivate people. It's a 30-day kind of a devotional, right? Yes, this is a devotional. Uh, meant to be spend a month in it, and it um, asks questions it, uh, that you are to kind of answer uh, your in your small group or uh, in your own personal study, and begins uh, taking some very uh, deeper evaluations of how practically we let the gospel begin to inform 
our body care, just as the gospel is supposed to, it, it saves us, but it keeps on saving us. And we need to let the gospel continue to impact all of our decisions um, and motivations in life. And, and you know, you say, well, how does the gospel apply to, to you know, working out or whatever? Um, the fact is, is that uh, most people are looking for something when they're working out that oftentimes comes deeply rooted into their self-image and their self-worth. And when we understand what the gospel has to say about our self-worth, and who we are and how quickly we can even be led astray, but how we have intrinsic value to God and let the gospel uh, not put us on a performance treadmill, uh, not try to have us uh, uh, earn favor in the eyes of others or earn favor in the eyes of God, but to know we're completely acceptable to him and do it out of a desire to love him more and serve others better. That transforms everything about how we approach this important topic. I'm just thinking of the person listening in that may say, I'm too far gone. What would you say to them? How would you get somebody started? And and I also want to um, get rid of the misconception that you need to go join a gym. That's not what you're saying. You just see, you're saying mm-hmm. get fit. But how do you get somebody motivated that's been sitting on the couch for a good 10 years? Right. Well, very practically speaking, um, you know, with all the caveats of uh, consulted your physician and all that, I'm not a doctor and and I can't prescribe for somebody what's right for them. Um, But the low hanging fruit for most of our country is you're just going to have to move more, whatever that means. If that means getting in a pool and doing water aerobics because you're you're large enough that it it just killing your joints to do any to get on a treadmill or to think about doing anything more aggressive, then get in a pool and start moving uh, and do something that way. If, if, uh, you need, if you can walk, then start walking. If you can ride a bike, then start riding a bike. Do something that is going to get you moving more than you are now, and then progressively increase that until you are challenging yourself more. And oftentimes that may need to be helped with maybe some personal help with a trainer or something if you really are unsure about what to do. But dietarily is where most of our problem is. And most people are just consuming things that are not giving our bodies what they actually want to survive and thrive. And for most people, if they just, you know, stopped getting the venti caramel macchiato on the way into work and stop toting in the Mountain Dew uh, to their cooler at work and stop getting so much fast food uh, and began looking at the low-hanging fruit of the carbs and the sugars and the and just the things they're drinking that are non-nutritive and loaded with calories. If we could take a look at those kinds of things uh, as a start, you'd be amazed at, at how much healthy, better you'll feel uh, and uh, how much weight you could lose just cutting those things out, drinking more water, getting more sleep. These things don't cost a lot of money. In fact, they save you money. But oftentimes there's addictive behaviors that we have that cause us to want that sugar rush or that caffeine rush or whatever it is. And we, we, need, we need help to break that cycle and just begin making smarter choices and moving a little bit more and a little bit more. Doesn't have to be drastic, uh, but there, there does need to be some uh, fortitude. In, in pursuing it, because none of, if it was easy, everybody'd be fit, right? right? It's easy to be slothful and to not move and to sit and to to drink and eat. That's real easy, and our culture makes that real easy. So we are going to have to swim against uh, the stream of our culture. 
And I know it's different for everybody, but what would you suggest is kind of a, a starting amount of time per day? Set aside X amount of time. How much? Yeah. Let's try to get 20 minutes of moving. Um, walk. Uh, go do the class at, at, at the gym uh, or go get to a pool somewhere and walk, do laps in an area that's up to your waist or your chest uh, uh, or get floaties and kick. <laughs> uh, if you're, if you're really deconditioned, um, you can get on a treadmill, you can get on paths, you can get on a bike, start at 20 minutes and, and go up from there. This, the studies show that, you know, getting to a point of a, a fair amount of time and vigorous exercise continues to to help. But I would say don't do that at the at the cost of your devotional times. Uh, I would say this is to be similar to that. If you're spending 20 minutes in devotions, get up and do something for 20 minutes. And uh, for some people, that'll really be a stretch. For others, that's a no-brainer. But uh, just, um, you know, have, have a life in balance and make sure you're not just focusing on the physical, but make sure that you're you're take disciplining your life spiritually as well. Well, David Bush, author of the books Fit for the King and The Body Gospel, thanks for being with us today on His People. It's been great to join you. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, David Bush. If you'd like more information, go to fitfortheking.net. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Bruce House Connect on some important religious liberties cases related to Christians and the family. It also sends a a message and a a lesson to all Christians, pro-life Christians, and people who just want to save pre-born babies, that the federal uh, government is arrayed against you. Um, The full weight of the federal government coming down on a a pro-life dad on a sidewalk over a minor scuffle. That's tomorrow at the same time right here on His People. Thanks for listening.